Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. By the way, the junior church can be dismissed. (laughs) You can be seated. You know, my message tonight, once again, I was looking forward to uh, coming in and preaching a message I've been working on, and all of a sudden, God says, nope, not time yet, not time yet. You know, it's kind of like when you go when you're younger and you go in the kitchen and mom says, it's not time yet, just go on back out, I'll call you when it's ready. You know, it's kind of like that, you know, and being fed from the master's table is definitely something that we all desire and we should desire to be fed from the master's table. Amen. You know, a message I got for you tonight, though, is uh, it's a little bit, a little bit different, to be honest with you, and it comes with a disclaimer. And that disclaimer is, this message isn't for you, it's for me. But if it hits you, that's okay. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we got to, uh, we get caught up in a little bit of collateral damage when, when somebody is doing things they shouldn't be doing. You know, there's no cliche in war. It's called there's collateral damage. You know, sometimes people people get drug into things they really don't want to be drug into. And you know, as I was as I've been working on this message and putting it together, I uh, I read through it and I'm bouncing my mind all kinds of different people. To be honest with you, this message applies to. And then all of a sudden, God said, "This message don't apply to nobody but you. This is my message to you tonight." And I'm going, "Ouch, ouch." You know, sometimes when you're a man of God and you're, you know, you're, you're thinking you're doing all that you can do and you're desiring to do a little more and God says, well, you know, you're not doing it quite in the right way. So many times we get this bloated ego thing going on and we got it all figured out and we don't need God's help. You know, it's kind of like being trained in a job, you know, brother Jacob and I got to spend some time today in the garage working on an old, an old truck of mine. And we got these parts out of the junkyard. They were pretty cruddy and nasty. We brought them home, and we took them apart. We cleaned them. We put them back together. And he's like, man, that thing's going as smooth as silk now. And, you know, that's the way we get in our walk sometimes with God. When things are going just okay and perfectly fine, we get, oh, this is smooth as silk now. And then all of a sudden, God throws you a little curveball, and you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wasn't expecting that, Brother Tim. Definitely wasn't expecting that. You know, sometimes those curveballs come in, in blessings. Sometimes they come in chastisement. Sometimes they come in the heat of the day. Sometimes they come in the cool of the night. And sometimes you just got to be willing to listen to what God's got to say. You know, God can talk all he wants, but until we listen, it's just words being spoken. It's kind of like, again, going back to being trained for a job. If somebody's been there, Brother Chase, and they know what they're talking about, you should really be paying attention to what they're telling you because they're trying to help you, not them. You know, I worked with a guy for about a week, and his, his favorite saying was, it's, as if I can remember it exactly how he put it, I'm not telling you to be me, but this is the way I would do it. And, you know, we get to the point sometimes where I'm not telling you to be me, but this is the way I would do it. God don't like those words. He don't like those words at all, because then along with that comes a lot of other unnecessary things. So, I want, to, I want to read to you a little bit tonight, and the title of my message is, Does Your Speech Betray You? Does your speech betray you? And automatically, I can guarantee you, 
the first person you thought of when I said that was Peter. Peter was told that several times. Peter, your speech betrays you. Peter, when you're with the Jews, you want to be like the Jews. When you're with the Gentiles, you want to be like the Gentiles. Peter, your speech betrays you. Jesus even told him, Peter, your speech betrays you. You say you're going to be there, you're going to have my back, and you're going to be fine. But Peter, before the cock crows thrice, you'll deny me. Peter was all boastful. No, 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 no. You got it all wrong, God. No, I'm, I'm good. I got your back. I'm going to be there with you to the end, even if it means death. Well, when it come time for that, Peter was like, hmm, okay, I better back up and regroup here a little bit. So keep this in mind. Does your speech betray you? And I'm going to lay out some scenarios for you tonight, and I hope and pray that you get it just like I got it. You know, when, you're, when you really think that you're, you're all that in a bag of fries, you realize you're really not. You realize God don't need those crunchy old fries that are burnt in the backside and everything else, and he doesn't need all that salt and everything else that you're trying to put in on his words, and you're trying to interpret things the way you think they should be. Sometimes you just need to open your mouth and let God speak. He does it better than anybody else. You know, I hear people say, that man's a good orator of the word of God. Well, that man didn't do nothing but open his mouth. God spoke through that man. He was just willing to let it happen, and that, that makes him a good person. First, I want to talk to you a little bit about the word, the word betray. In the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it's defined as lead astray, to deliver to an enemy with treachery, to fail or desert, especially in a time of need. To betray one's family or his friends. And this is the big one right here. And this is the one I want you to think about a little bit. To abandon one's principles. To abandon one's principles. You know, that pretty much sums up right there what we should be understanding as we don't belong to ourselves. God called us. He wasn't lost. We were. We didn't find him. He found us. You know, and if you can keep yourself humble like that, God will hear and answer prayers for you. I want to read to you a little bit tonight. I'm going to look at Matthew 26, and I'm going to look at verses 69 through 75. And I'm about to read to you what I opened the statement with and opened up my word with. It says, Now Peter sat without in the, pl- in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied him, but he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. I know not what thou sayest. And when he was when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto him, Them that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied him with an oath. And if you look over in the book of Mark, he began to swear. He began to throw out cuss words. Peter thought that maybe by throwing a little bit of attitude that way, it would make people look at him and go, okay, he really wasn't with the man of God. He really wasn't with the Son of God because the Son of God, anybody who was with him wouldn't talk that way. So, see, Peter knew how to cover himself. He was ready. It wasn't an afterthought. The first time Peter was shocked when she said, hey, you was with him, and he said, no, 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 you got it wrong. 
The second time, another damsel come up to him. Now, two witnesses says, Peter, you was with him. And he's like, no, I'm not. And then the cursing begins. And then the swearing begins. And then all of the lies that Peter told. This is two of the greatest times in, in the history of the Bible when Peter lied. It was an outright lie. It was to protect himself. And it was still wrong. So if you think that you can render evil for good, you're sadly mistaken. It don't work that way. If you think that you get caught in a situation that you know you shouldn't be in and you try to lie your way out of it, just admit you did it. There's no point in trying to hide it, no point in trying to cover it. God already knows, and that's all matters, Brother Joe, is that God knows. It doesn't matter if you have one witnesses or two witnesses or five witnesses. You know, I remember my father-in-law and I was having a talk one time, and he said, I don't care if 100 people seen you, you deny it. Don't ever admit that you did something wrong. And we laughed about it. You know, we, we were justing with each other. And I'm going, there's no way. I couldn't lie when I was younger. Mom said, you're the best tattletale I ever had in my life because you love telling on yourself. When I did wrong, I automatically, I don't know if it was just the expression on my face or what it was, but somehow mom always knew. And as I got older, I found out how mom knew. I found out how God, God talked to mom. God always told mom. And just like this, Peter was being told on. Peter was found out. Instead of Peter saying, yep, I'm going to stand behind my statement. I'm going to follow you to your death. I'm going to stay right there with you, and I'm going to go with you all the way. Instead, Peter turned tail and took off the other way and said, I didn't know that man. Don't, don't accuse me of being Pastor John's brother. I don't, I don't know that man. He preaches the gospel. I don't know that man. Oh, you got it, you got it backwards. He, he, he does all that stuff. I don't want to be associated with him. Aren't you his brother? Aren't you his older brother? Aren't you the one that said you would have his back to the end? Aren't you the one that got behind him and he always says, I'm his biggest cheerleader, which I take great pride in, to be honest with you? What's wrong with us being the greatest, the greatest cheerleader for God? What's wrong with that? There's nothing absolutely wrong with that whatsoever. It says, and after a while came another unto him that stood by and said, Peter, Surely thou art also art one of them, for thy speech betray thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not that man. And immediately the cock crowed. And the next verse is where I'd like to hang my hat for a little bit. And Peter remembered. Peter remembered. The word of Jesus which said, before the cock crows, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went away, went out, and wept bitterly. You know, I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes if you're caught in the wrong situation, the wrong place, the wrong time, that may not be your fault. But I'm going to tell you, just be straight out, forward, and honest with you, 99% of the time you're in the wrong place, the wrong time, because you put yourself there. I'm just sorry. That's just the way it is. You don't, send, you don't send an alcoholic into some place to pull an alcoholic out of an alcoholic situation. Okay? You stay clear of that. If God delivered you from that, you get away from that. You don't send a liar to try and confront somebody that's a liar. It don't work that way. You don't send an unsaved person to get somebody saved. It don't work like that. You have to be willing to listen to what thus saith the Lord and grow with what thus saith the Lord. There is something to be said about Peter and his denial of Jesus. 
Just like some of us, Peter feared for his safety and denied Jesus. We fear what people think. That shouldn't be so. Peter denied him thrice. How many times have you denied him? Now, you might roll your toes back just a little bit, okay? Like I said, this message was for me, but if it catches you, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Gossip. Backstabbing. Lying lips. Bad attitude. Disrespect. Not helping out in the church when you're called on. Not reacting to the movement of God in the service when God says move and you sit still. Impulsiveness. Abandonment. Arrogance and boasting. There's nothing worse than a person that sits around and boasts about what they've done, what they've accomplished, and where they're at in life. And you don't know the other person that you're boasting to, and you might be boasting to somebody that's struggling. You might be boasting to somebody that doesn't quite have everything that you got and might be going, okay, well, I'm never going to get that. You know, you can cost a person their salvation by that. You can absolutely destroy a walk of a human being by the boastful, braggingness, impulsiveness, most disrespectful things. There's nothing worse than to hear a husband disrespecting a wife or a wife disrespecting a husband. Or I'll go you one better than that. There's nothing worse than a child disrespecting a, a, a mom and dad and tell them, I don't have to do that. There's nothing worse than a child that tells a grown-up in the church, I don't have to listen to you because you're not my dad. You're not my mom, but in all reality, they are your elder. God put them there to lead and guide you. You should be paying attention to what they're saying. And if your parents hear you say that and they don't correct you, shame on your parents. Shame on your parents. Because all you're doing is teaching a child to be arrogant, boastful, bragful, hateful, disrespectful, full of gossip, lying lips, feet that's quick to shed innocent blood, and you're destroying your child's walk. You want to know why some of our children aren't doing the things you're supposed to be doing? Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. You know, I kind of got hit between the eyes with a statement today, and I hope Brother Jacob don't mind me telling this, but we were coming home from the junkyard, and he said, you know, Brother Carl, he said, there's one thing you taught me, and that was to be slow to speak and swift to hear. I'm going, ow, ow, ow. Hmm. Well, Brother Jacob, I didn't practice that very good the other night, did I? You know, you can try and hide all your mischief you want, your dirty laundry is going to be aired out. There used to be a dear sweet lady that we used to go to church with. She said, she used to quote it all the time. Be sure your sins will find you out. Be sure. And that don't mean be sure that your neighbor is going to see what you're doing, but be sure God's going to expose you for what you're doing. See, then you can't be mad at nobody if God exposes you. If God tells on you, you're told on. But you should be able to take that and apply it to your life and change it and go, okay, I'm not going to be that person anymore. I do sometimes try my best and do my darndest not to be fast-witted, quick-tongued. You know, there was a time in my life when I took great pride in that. If you come cutting to me with words, I was going to cut you back so fast you wouldn't know what happened. And I justified that by using the Word of God. It's as sharp as a two-edged sword. It'll cut you back and coming. It'll cut you going and coming. And I used that to justify my attitude until God said, that's a bad attitude and I'm not going to tolerate it any longer. 
You know, don't think that you're, you don't have to beat on your chest all the time to get your point across. You don't have to be sitting around pounding on your chest or being outspoken. You know, Pastor John has preached it across this pulpit many times. I've heard it said many times across this pulpit by other ministers. Every thought that comes into your mind don't have to have words put behind it spewed out your mouth. It don't have to have. We don't think of the things, these things as denial. They are just that. We think of them as just a way of life. In some cases, it's even our characteristics. It's time to clean up your characteristics. It's time to change them. You ever wonder why you're not getting ahead in life? The Bible says look into the mirror and see what kind of man you are. It says looking in the mirror and forget what kind of man or man you were, to be exact. I like to use it, look into the mirror and see what you're looking at. I remember one time when I was going into a situation, and I was in church. I was doing everything I could possibly do. And Sister Lexi, I woke up one morning, I went in the bathroom, I got a shower, I got out, I'm standing there, and I'm getting, you know, cleaned up and finished putting on my deodorant and everything, and all of a sudden I just looked in the mirror and said, I don't like you. I was like, okay, where'd that come from? I thought I was doing pretty darn good. But my spiritual man was saying, I don't like you. I don't like what you're doing. I don't like what you become. I don't like your arrogance and your pompousness and your idiotic speech. Let's just be cut to the chase. That's, sometimes that's what it is. It's idiotic speech. Sometimes you've got to be slow to speak and swift to hear. You know, the Bible says a soft word turneth away wrath. If you want wrath keep coming your way, keep opening your big mouth and doing things you shouldn't be doing. Or keep doing the things that I just read to you that are denying God. See, Peter denied him in word. We deny him indeed. We deny him indeed. We don't, we don't put God in anything. We think we got it figured out. We think we know what we're doing, and God comes in second string. You know, I just had a conversation with a young man this week that was in a very bad place, a very bad place. And I asked him, I said, what caused you to do that? He said, Life. You know, sometimes you have to be more specific when you're looking at the problems in your life. That lying tongue caused me to do that. That boastful attitude caused me to live like that. That backstabbing, witted mind of mine caused me to do that. That sneaking around trying to hide things, that caused me to be like that. You know, life does catch us sometimes. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about it. Life's caught me. Life caught me a long time ago. I made one wrong decision. And you think that you're all that and uh, you got it all figured out. All you, all you have to do is make one wrong decision in your life. I don't call them mistakes because I don't believe in mistakes. I believe decisions made with consequences to pay. That's my little saying there. Decisions made with consequences to pay. And I'm telling you right now, I got some pretty bad scars for some dumb decisions that I've made in my life. And there's a few of them I'd go back and I'd do over again. I promise you I wouldn't do them a second time. As a matter of fact, if I could erase them and get them out of my life, I would erase them and get them out of my life. Unfortunately, those things, I made the decision, just like Peter. Peter decided to deny God. Nobody made him do it. They didn't say, hey, you know what? Come here. I'm going to accuse you of being with him, but if you deny him, I'm going to spare your life. You know, you look at this as a little tidbit of information here, and these little small verses, 
That was in a two-hour span when Jesus was being secretly tried at night, which was completely illegal by Jewish customs. They knew they could get him no other way, so they took him in at nighttime at 1 o'clock in the morning, and it lasted from 1 o'clock in the morning till 3 o'clock in the morning. And then they covered their dirty deeds by bringing him out in the daylight, Brother Tim, and making that same mock trial all over again just to say, we did this in the daylight. We did this in a timely manner of the Jewish customs. So many times we sneak around in the backside and we try to do things, and then it gets exposed in the light. Oh, I didn't do that. I had nothing to do with that. I didn't say that. That's not what I, that, that's not what I meant. Okay, I might have said that, but that's not what I meant. Okay, well, that, that is kind of what I meant, but I, 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 I kind of regret it. Oh, okay, I, I did mean it. Okay, I do regret it. Uh, now I'm sorry for it. Well, you, you do understand something, okay? I'm going to make this really clear with you, as clear as I know how to make it with you. In all of that, in all that, the person you wronged, the Bible says it's easier to win a great city than it is to win the brother back that's offended. You think about that. You think about that. That's deep, and that is a message that I hope and pray that one of these ministers takes a hold of and gets on one of these days, and if it's me, I hope and pray God gives it to me. You think about that. It says, they hurt more than we think. They cause, more, they cause very big issues for folks that are all around us. Okay, here you go. I'm going to throw this to the fences. I'm going to swing and hit for you right quick. My wife and I, we're sitting around and we're having dinner out in public, and we get into a discussion. We won't call it an argument. We'll call it a discussion for sakes. What do you think's happening around us? Everybody's watching you. Everybody's watching you. So you think that you can get out there and just say stuff like that out in the open and everything's just fine and dandy and everybody's going to go, oh, well, look at that brother over there. Hey, you know what, boy, you're wearing a three-piece suit. Man, I know you got to be a child of God. I'll overlook that forked tongue that you just used on your wife. That's not the way that works. So if you're sitting there and you're doing that, and people can look at you and say, okay, that might be a child of God. Eh, maybe not because of the way he talked. You think about that. You are an example. You sometimes are the only word of God that people sees on your jobs, in your home, in the public. You want to see this place full? I promise you, if you want to see this place full, live a better example. Live a better example. Do more for the kingdom of God. Don't sit around. Brother Chris preached a message not too long ago, the fixing twos. <laughs> I have not forgot that message, and I never will. Fixing two never fixed anything. It just means you've got good intentions. And believe me, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. You can have all the good intentions you want. Until you get it done, there's no earth been turned. There's no plow been put to the dirt. Fixing to, I can sit here and look at this yard all day long and go, that grass, I'm about to go out there and cut that grass. I'm about to cut that grass. I think I might go cut the grass. And next thing you know, it's dark. It's like, ah, well, I missed out on that opportunity. You laugh, but that's the way we do God. We laugh, but that's exactly the way we do God. When God says, get up and go lay your hands on so-and-so and pray with them, we go, well, I'm, you know, God, I, I, I think that you're talking to me, but I really don't know for sure. 
God, I think that might be you, but I don't know. Okay, God, if it is you, say it again. God says it again. And you're like, okay, God, well, I'm not really sure still. I'm not really sure still. And God says, okay, then I'm fine. I'll find somebody else to do it. Fine, I'll find somebody else to do it. Well, you squandered some of the best time in your life because I'm going to tell you something. Speaking as a man who used to would not lay his hands on people and pray with them, it's some of the greatest experiences I have now when I can walk up and put my hands on the back of a brother or a sister that's in need and pray with them and then see the victory come from it. Oh, my God. There's nothing greater than seeing somebody delivered off of alcohol. There's nothing greater being seeing somebody delivered from adultery. There's nothing greater seeing somebody delivered from a porn addiction. There's nothing greater than watching an individual change their life and pick up the cross and start following God. And it's all because you were obedient to God. It's all because you gave that person a chance. And God said, move. You know, I used to go, there used to be a brother named Nate Hawkins that come here. And I love this man with all my heart. He was one of my dearest friends. And I don't know how many times I sat and watched that man when the, when the singing was going on or the preaching was going on or the altar call was going on. It didn't matter. If God said, get on your knees and cry out to me, he would hit the floor and he would get on his knees and he would cry out. Half of us go, well, I think I'll wait. I'll wait till the altar call comes. Then the altar call comes and you're like, well, I'll wait and see who else goes to the altar. Okay, that, well... David didn't come to the altar today, so I know I was supposed to pray for David, so he didn't come. So, you know, my altar call was just, it, it, it wasn't God talking to me, you know. And that's not true at all. That's not true at all. God said, get up and move, get up and move. It says, uh, maybe it's not, again, going back to your situation in life. I'm going to come down here and sit down with you for just a second. You know, I really wanted that job at McAllister. I really put forth the effort, did all that I needed to do, and it didn't work out. So I go and take another job at McAllister or another job at a, a place called Arbor Homes. And in the midst of that, God knew where my heart was, so God says, okay, now I'm going to send McAllister back to call you. Now, I said all that to say this. God said, go lay your hands on Sister Serena because Sister Serena's leg is messed up from a motorcycle accident. She's in a lot of pain right now. Well, God, I think somebody else can do that. I just don't feel led. What's wrong with you as a child of God? I'm just going to be coy and honest with you. What's wrong with you as a child of God? If you can watch a brother or sister set in pain and sit there in agony, and I'm not talking about just physical pain or physical agony. I'm talking about spiritual pain and spiritual agony. What's wrong with you as a child of God if you can sit there and watch that and not do something about it? What is wrong with us as a church, as a church in general? You know, we've become so divided in the church world anymore that we can't even fight for the same cause no more. Back in the day, we didn't care. We fellowshiped with everybody. Because the church world was united. But now because Brother Mike's got a little grayer hair and I don't got no hair, I don't want to associate with him. And we laugh, but that's how silly people are right now. You know why? Because the devil has turned loose on this nation and he's causing division and people are allowing it to happen because they don't want to listen to what's being said to them and they got a better attitude than everybody else. I'm the only one going to heaven. You know how many churches I've heard preach, well, we're the only church going to heaven made me sick. 
That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. You're not the only church going to heaven. You're not. You know, so many times we get sidetracked on what's important in life. The important things in life is that we should be working to see souls saved. We should be able to come together as a common bond and fight against homosexuality. Or anything else that's going on in the world, we should be able to stand together and fight against that. Instead, we sit back hoping somebody else will pick up that fight and somebody else will state that and somebody else will deal with that. I don't have to deal with it. You know, a lot of Christians remind me kind of like Pontius Pilate when they come up and he washed his hands. He says, uh, see thou to it. I find no fault in this man. I like to take that sometimes. And pay. People say sometimes, oh, well, I'm not going to do that. I'll just wash my hands up and let Sister Serena or Brother David or Sister Lexi or Brother Mike or Sister Betsy or Brother Paul or Brother Corey or Brother Levi, Brother Josh, they'll take care of that for me. That's all right. God will do that. Yeah, you're right. God will do it. If you don't want to do it, God will do it, but he'll find somebody else that will. And I can tell you right now, I got, I'm a walking, living testimony right now. And Brother Bo knows I love him with all my heart. But Brother Bo stepped up and done something that I was told to do, and I didn't get off my seat to do nothing and go do it. So Brother Bo comes to me one day and says, Hey, Brother Carl, I'm thinking about starting a prayer band. You on, you on board? I'm like, Yes, sir. I didn't tell him anything about it either until later on. I said, Brother Bo, you know what? You came to me, but God, God had told me to get off my seat to do nothing and do that. And I found things more important. Working on an old car in a garage or watching TV or, you know, doing things that, means something to Brother Carl instead of something that means something to the kingdom of God. You know how many front yards we stood in the snow up to our daggone calves praying for people? You know how many times we stood in the rain and prayed for people in their front yards? And don't give me that excuse you was called to be, you were called to do some things and not all things. The Bible says that we should put our hands to the plow. That doesn't give me no stipulations whatsoever on what my calling was. Yeah, some are called to be ministers, some are called to be teachers, some are called to be preachers. We're all called to work for the kingdom of God. You want to know why you're having a rough life? Maybe you're saying it's not my calling. Maybe you're saying it's not that important to you. Let's be honest with you. That's exactly what that's saying. If I can't find time to come up here and, and stand beside Sister Kaylee and pray for her in any situation in her life, if I can't come find time to come up here and pray with her, how am I going to expect her to find time to come pray with me? Or better yet, how am I going to expect her to pray for my daughter in her time of need? Why would she? Sister Kaylee, why would you do that? If you're not important enough for me to pray for, why would my daughter or my family be important enough for you to pray for? See, we got it all wrong. We got it all backwards. We got it all messed up. We need to go back and find our first loves all over again. And our first loves is serving God and saving souls. That's our first love. Go back and find our first loves all over again. You know, Sister Hannah, during one of our conferences, she couldn't wait to be baptized. She was baptized in an entirely different church. But she couldn't wait to be baptized. She's like, I got to do it now. What happened to that got to do it now attitude? What happened to that attitude that I'm going to make this happen right now because I'm going to put my shoulder to the plow and I'm not looking back. You know, the Bible says a man that puts his hand to the plow and looking back, he isn't fit for the kingdom of God. Ooh, that's deep. Not fit for the kingdom of God. So with that said, summer's coming on. Where's your God going to be? Are you going to find some more important things to do than serving God? Hmm. We'll see. See, be sure your sins will find you out. Be sure your sins will find you out. 
You know, Brother Carl used to, I would take off and go to a car show on Sunday mornings when I knew I should be at the house of God doing what I was called to do. Back then, I was an adult Sunday school teacher, and I would call the pastor and say, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it today. He never asked me why, and thank God he didn't, because I'd been pretty embarrassed to say, I chose a car show over God. You know how dedicated I got to that? I got in the truck one time and rode to Alabama with a buddy of mine on a Sunday morning. I said, called him on Saturday night. I said, what time are we leaving? He said, we? Whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean we? I said, we, me and you. He goes, me and you? You're going with me? I said, yeah. About Nashville, I told this story before. Some of you heard it. Some of you going to hear it again. About Nashville, 65, he looks at me and says, okay, I've had enough. I can't stand it. What's going on with you? I looked at him. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, don't play dumb with me. We've been friends for 30 years. He said, all this time, he said, now, initially, you would go do things with me on the weekend, and then you got really heavy in your church, and it's been a number of years since you missed a church service. What's going on with you? Now, my buddy Bill don't claim to be nothing, but he could still see the, dis- the, 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 the distress that I was in because the situation was going on around me, and I broke out, started crying. I began to talk to him. He said, my God, man, why didn't you tell me your life was like that? Like, why? What are you going to do? I got to fix it. I got to make the right decisions. I got to go back and set things right that I've wronged. I got to go back and do it all over again and hope and pray that I get different results. Just like Peter. Now, you, I'm going I'm to bounce you forward a little bit, okay? I'll give you a little bit of the bad side of Peter. Okay, now I'm going to give you the good side of Peter. Jesus told Peter, said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. You know why he did that? For some of the very characteristics that Peter had. He was hard, stern. He led the disciples. Jesus called him to lead the disciples. Yeah, he made some dumb decisions, and yeah, he paid the consequences for it. But Peter ended up picking his cross up, and as he got older, he understood the maturity of being a child of God. You know, some of us, we're young called. Pastor John, we don't really know what it means to serve God. You and I talked about this when we've been going to the hospital visiting people that are on their deathbed. Sometimes we don't understand what it's all about. You don't know what it's about until you're sitting there looking a man in the eye to know that he's getting ready to die and you're trying to comfort him and tell him it's going to be okay when you really don't know if it's going to be okay. All you can do is pray and say God's will be done. See, that's, that's the deep-rooted works of God. Some of us can't find time to get up off the couch and go pay no visit to somebody. Heck, we can't even find time to go sit on the front porch and drink coffee with somebody and talk about the Word of God. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about how that when they got together, there wasn't no gossip going across the table. They were together. They were working out the next service in God's because they knew they were going to be coming together again on Wednesday night and maybe even a Saturday night or a Sunday. They were already planning the service ahead of time so they knew what they were getting into when they got there. And if God changed it, they were okay with that. But they already had a plan, Brother Timmy. They done knew. You can't run through life. I told somebody today, I said, you know, I've always been the person that kind of runs by the seat of my pants. But this time, when I made some pretty major decisions, I actually sat down and worked out a plan. And so far, knock on wood, that plan's come through. See, sometimes you can't be the run the mill seat of your pants kind of person when you're serving God. That works sometimes, but you've got to have a plan for your salvation. 
God laid it out in the word of God. He gave the apostles and the disciples words to give to you for encouragement and, and a, a road map. You know, Brother Mikey and Brother Chris and Brother Jediah and I, we all worked for the same guy. And it was called the critical path. There's a critical path for building a house. It starts at the curb. Ain't that right, Brother Mikey? <laughs> Brother Mikey used to hate that saying, starts at the curb. <laughs> well, your walk, it starts at the book. It starts in the book. And if you're not reading that critical path, there's no wonder you can't follow it. If you're not reading it, there's no reason why you should understand it. If you're not reading it, there's no way you can apply it. There's no way you can apply it. You know, it's an amazing thing to me to watch people that have been in this thing for a number of years. I've watched several pastors over my lifetime get to the point where they've got it all figured out. They lay out their path for what they want to do in church, and they lay out this and lay out that. There's no saying, in, there's no saying that says, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. He'll chuckle, and then he'll say, eh, we'll change that. We'll get you there. You know, Pastor Carr used to say, if you could cut my chest open and you could see my spiritual heart, he said you would see scars all over the place. And you know what? I've been behind this man long enough now that if you broke him open, you would see some pretty bad spiritual scars for people in this church. You would see some pretty heavy burdens. You would see some pretty hard prayers going up. It's not his job alone. It's not his job alone. You know, it's each and every one of our jobs to get behind this man, but it's also each and every one of our jobs to stand with this man. He can't do this alone. He's not perfect. You're not perfect. The church isn't perfect. I've heard people say, well, I'm not going there because the church is full of hypocrites. Well, yeah, sure it is. Why wouldn't it be? That's where everybody comes to get right. You know, I was standing in a house the other day, and I was talking to a man as the musicians come. I was talking to a man, a couple of men, actually, and what come out of this man's mouth totally shocked me. And it shouldn't have. It shouldn't have shocked me. But he said, you know those Bible thumpers? I'm going, yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, why is he not seeing God on me? If he can say, you know those Bible thumpers, those hypocrites? The church is full of hypocrites. I said, Brother, let me tell you something. Not everybody goes to church as a hypocrite. And he goes, oh, really? I said, yeah. And the other man looked at me, and he goes, you're a minister, aren't you? I said, yeah, I'm a minister. And I take great pride in not being a hypocrite. I said, now, I'll give you this. The church is full of hypocrites, but that's because they're coming to get right with God. So if you think that you can escape any kind of criticism or anything, people are watching you. People are reading you. People are checking you out. And I'm going to tell you right now, you better hope and pray that people can see God on you. Because if they see God on you, they're going to pick on you. You caught what I said, right? You better hope and pray people see God on you. 
Because if they see God on you, they're going to pick on you. You know why I said that? That gives you an opportunity to witness to them. It gives you an opportunity to pull them in close and say, let me tell you about a man that changed my life. Let me tell you about a man that caused me one day to get up out of my seat, find my way to the altar, and change my life. You know, one of the hardest people that I ever worked with, talked to, conversated with on occasion, is my nephew David. And I remember the day he came clean with me. He told me, he said, Uncle Carl, I like doing what I'm doing. I said, okay, Dave, we won't talk no more until you don't. And God's going to get you where you don't. You know, I needed to hear him say that. I needed to hear him say, I like what I'm doing. Because God heard him say, I like what I'm doing. And God said, oh, yeah? Well, come on over here. Let me show you something. I'm going to show you that you don't like it near as much as you thought you did. You know, I hope and pray that you got something out of this message tonight. Like I told you at the beginning, this message wasn't for you. It was for me. But if it hits you, I'm okay with that. If it got to you a little bit, I'm okay with that. And I hope it did. I hope it kind of got into you, got into your spirit and into your heart. And I hope and pray that God's sitting there right now going through your Rolodex in your memory saying, hmm what I don't want to deny God I don't want to deny God I don't want people to look at me and go you know him you know the Savior no I don't no I don't I'm going to say absolutely I do and if you got time to sit down and talk I'm going to tell you about a man that's going to change your life I'm going to tell you about a God that's going to completely correct you in every way you know the other morning I got up fell asleep in the recliner downstairs and I staggered upstairs and I forgot to pray I got to my bedside I laid down and I'm like ah, it's 2 o'clock in the morning really God you're going to make me get on my knees right now I rolled out of my bed got on my knees and began to pray I didn't tell you that for glory for brother Carl I'm telling you that because God knows what people need at a certain time. You know, the other night I woke up, I couldn't breathe, gasping for air. I rolled over, thought it'd go away. But Tommy, it didn't go away. Next morning I got up and I'm like, man, what, what was that all about? That night I got a phone call from one of my best friends who's now gone home. And in that faint little voice, I answered the phone. His name's Willie. I call him Willie G because he likes Harley Davidson's. He had one of the best looking Harleys I've ever seen. I said, Willie G, what's going on? His wife said, it's not Willie. It's Carolyn. And I hear Willie in the background saying, pray for me, please. I can't breathe. You know, I hope some of you experience that sometime because it'll truly make you appreciate what you got. That night, Brother Willie passed away. And I say Brother Willie because he was a brother in Christ. When I first met the man, instantly just took a liking to him. Instantly he took a liking to me. 
I remember he used to come over to my garage. He'd have his little hands folded behind his back, and he'd come walking up. He had his little mullet going on with goatee, you know. And he'd come walking in my garage one day, and he said, Brother Cronk, I have a question for you. I said, what's that? He said, you think God gets tired of hearing me praising? No, sir, Willie. He sure don't. And it wasn't too long after that, God sent him an angel. God sent him a woman that took care of him until he passed. But all it took was Willie praising him. And God took care of him in the end. He said, I don't know what I'd do without people like you folks around me. And he was talking about you folks. Our prayer group stood in his front yard one night and prayed for him. And he kept calling me and thanking me, calling me and thanking me. I know God's going to heal me. I know God's going to heal me. I know God's going to heal me. And he went to his death knowing God was going to heal him. I guess, I guess if I could say one thing that would sum up my message tonight is, does your speech and behavior betray you? If it does, this altar's open. You can find your way up here anytime you want. This church is not a church that waits on altar calls. This church is a church that says the altar's open. And if you feel led, by all means, make your way. You know, because I'll be the first one to meet you there because I always need to pray. I always got something in my life that I can pray about. You know, watching my kids grow, watching them get in church and get heavily involved. One's a minister, one's a prayer warrior. I told my son the other day, I said, you know, Levi, pretty proud of you guys. And if I die tomorrow, I want you to know that I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. And I'm saying that to a lot of people in here right now. Brother Chase, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of watching the changes you've made. Sister Hannah, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of where you're at. Brother David, I'm proud of you. Sister Lucy, I'm proud of you. Brother Timmy, I'm proud of you, sir. Sister Amanda, I'm proud of you. Very proud of you. Uncle Lonnie, I'm proud of you. And Karen, I'm proud of you. Sister Charlene, Brother Tommy, I'm proud of you. Brother Corey, Sister Hope, I'm proud of you. I thank God for all of you. I thank God for each and every one of you. There's not a time goes by that I don't think about you guys. Not a time goes by that I don't think about breaking bread. And if I think about you all the time, could you imagine what this man's doing? I say prayers. He gets to deal with you. He gets to hear the side of you guys that I don't know anything about. All I know is you need prayer. So I pray for you. Brother John gets to get in the dirt. He has to get down sometimes. I remember a time that him and I would talk in the mornings and he would call me and he'd be crying about the situation that was going on in his life and he'd say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And all I could say, as a big brother talking to a little brother, it's going to be okay. As a man of God talking to a man of God, all I could say is we've got to pray. We got to pray. So if you would, stand to your feet tonight. Again, I hope and pray that you got something out of the message tonight. I hope and pray that it got where it needed to be, got bedded in your heart and in your mind. I 
thank God tonight because truly this place is on a move. Man, if you can sit around and find fault in this place right now, you may in order to be looking at the good side of things that's going on. You got people growing and changing and lives are being altered and God is answering prayers on every side, you know. It's just a small little thing. Like I told you all ago about that job with McAllister. That's where I wanted to be. And I all but gave up and took another job and was moving on. And God said, not quite yet. He brought me back. And now, with that said, there's times that I'm in my spiritual walk as well that I just get comfortable and ready to move on. And God says, no, we're not done yet. We're still visiting this area right over here. See, sometimes God brings us back to help us get further. There's no saying one step forward, two steps back. Those steps backwards sometimes are not a bad thing. Sometimes that's where God needs to bring us back to to help us remember where he brought us from. I thank God for each and every one of you tonight. Appreciate you.